Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hey there, and welcome back to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Dummies Talking Drummies. I'm Amanda. How complicated do you want my name to be this week? Why can't you just say your normal name? Well, how complicated do you want me to make this? Can you want we me to make it on a scale of awful cheeseburger to best thing in the world? I want it to be like somewhere in the middle, like the top bun of the awful cheeseburger. Okay, Bob. Are you kidding? All that just to say Bob. Okay. You're going to have to follow me on this journey. Okay? Do I need fare for a taxi? Do yes. Do I need to pack a bag and some snacks? Yes. All right. Captain Kirk. That is who I am this week. Okay. Okay. Who played Captain Kirk? William Shatner. Okay. What else do you know his face from? The Michael Myers mask. Okay. Keep going. To Michael Myers, to Wayne's World. Are you serious? So how do we get Bob from that? No, Bob was, Bob was just separate. Bob was just separate. Bob was just something there dumb. There was one fluid line of thinking. Yeah, Bob was just dumb. You're just dumb. I'm Amanda, and you are somebody. God damn it! And this is the podcast where we talk music. Eventually, after the five-minute rant about what we're deciding to name ourselves this week. Um, hey, I'm an adult. I get to pick my own name. Do you have any grievances? I'm not even going to ask about corrections because our, what, we just did Master Puppets just came out. Yeah. And we really haven't had too many people listening. Yeah. We hope that changes. Come at us with corrections. Come at Evan with all your corrections. But do you have any grievances? None about the podcast. Like, do you have a grievance about the world? Yeah, the world sucks. Did you hear there was another mass shooting today? Which one? Oklahoma. That was yesterday. That was yesterday? This, I am so frustrated with all of that. I just, I can't, I don't even have the words. So... That's my grievance. What's your grievance? Just that the world sucks. That's just what you're going with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, this week, if you couldn't guess it by Evan's winding road of logic, which took me a long time and I knew what episode we were doing, we're going to talk Queens, A Night at the Opera. This was released on November 21st, 1975, and is number 152 on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. Um, am I getting started right away with history? Uh, yeah, because I'm going to have to redo my notes, because I looked at the 2002 version of Night at the Opera by Blind Guardian, so go ahead and I will, I'll catch up with you in a bit. You did not... Are you? I can't even with you. Whatever. This is an Amanda centric episode, apparently. 
because Evan just sucks balls. Um, so this is the album that is responsible for bringing Queen into the forefront of rock. At the time, the band was broke due to a bad deal that they had made with Trinet Studios and its owner. And the opening track, Death on Two Legs, was dedicated to that owner, who was Norman Sheffield. And he actually, at the time, he was also Queen's manager. Uh, prior to this album, which this one is their fourth studio album... Queen was already pushing boundaries of glam rock by wearing makeup, painting their fingernails, and keeping their hair long. In a 1977 interview, Freddie Mercury defended Queen's look by saying, A concert, sorry, quote, A concert is not a live rendition of our album. It's a theatrical event. End quote. (laughs) I really like this outlook. To me, it says that they want their fans to have more of an experience at a concert and not just listening to the songs they like. And I know you're you're going to hate what I'm about to say. And the look on their face tells me that you know exactly where I'm going with this. Ghost. When mm. I read that quote, I immediately thought ghost. Because, okay, uh, going off the trails a little bit. So, Do I need some snacks? You might. Money for a taxi? Yes. Um, back in February, you dragged me to that ghost concert i did not know any anything about them beforehand i knew like one volbeat song and didn't you know and i was just floored by how well of a show ghost put on and you were so frustrated with me because for what two solid months after that concert it was all ghost all the time can't stop won't stop at the day of Day of recording, you're still on it. I don't know at re- day of release. No, no, no. Well, not as much. No, I mean, I mean, for the first few months, I was watching YouTube mm. videos and I was following Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts, and I was showing you all these different things, like different, different videos taken from at different concerts by different fans, like showing like you missed this thing on this side of the stage and this thing on this side of the stage, and they did this in this part of the song and they did that that song, and it was so much fun watch they put on a really fun show and it's entertaining it's it's not just them playing the music and i that i I, that made me get into them and it's i want to say it's dying down you don't believe me it's i'm not listening to them as much but i it's i I totally get what freddie mercury was saying there that it's, it's he wants their fans to come and have an experience they're spending money to see them in person and they don't want just to go and play the songs see you bye well there are there are certain bands that have more of a the the albums exist but they are a live band right like guar is one of those bands like those those stage shows are just insane and he, right. I don't know how much it's changed after his death, but I know that when I saw them, it was holy crap. Um, I was not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, this album takes heavily from the music hall and operetta genres. Um, offhand, do you know what the difference between those two are? Nope. Do you? Yes, I okay. actually looked it up. Music Hall is a mixture of pop songs, comedy, variety, entertainment, and popular songs. Pop songs? Uh, While operetta is a precursor to musical theater. So, musical theater is... Is... um, 
trying to think what did what's a good show that like a high school would put on like um bye bye Bird. well you wouldn't know bye bye birdie um west side story okay musical theater where it's okay last week we talked phantom of the opera and how it was straight singing okay which operetta is like i think it's like so you have opera straight singing big big booming voices kind of thing um operetta is like in between musical theater and full-blown opera and then music theater is more of your plays plays it plays with music with with song not just like music in the background with um singing hamlet 2 kind of yeah okay so hamlet 2 is musical theater yeah uh repo yes yeah so you have for somebody who's not really into the music world and like the music theater scene you probably wouldn't know that there's a difference between all of that stuff but there it's a subtle subtle it's like kind of the equivalent to rock and how you have all these little subgenres, you know um but music hall is more of um kind of like a vaudeville thing which is interesting because you know what you know where the title of this album came from right yes vaudeville and you know where the title of their next album came from right what's the next album a day at the races vaudeville which is also a marx brothers well, movie. Mar- yes yeah so they yeah marx brothers was heavy on vaudeville and yeah, that's where this came from. Um, this I also thought was very interesting that uh, Freddie Mercury, he never liked to reveal what his songs were actually about, and he took delight in the variety of interpretations of his work. In regards to Bohemian Rhapsody, he noted, quote, I think that that's very rewarding, to be honest. It's nice to hear somebody has gone that far to try and interpret a song. I like them to make up their 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 own. If I were to come up with my interpretation, put my views to it, it would just shatter their illusion and things, end quote. He allowed his fans to have a certain amount of control over his music as a way to better connect with them. So I thought that was really cool. It's, you know, we've talked in our David Bowie one and our Bob Dylan one, how you can take those lyrics and, and twist them for whatever you need to fit, like, your own narrative and your own experiences. But... That's exactly what Freddie wanted. He wanted the fans to make their own meaning out of the lyrics. He's like, I'm not going to tell you what this is about, what I wrote this about. Whereas, yeah. like, you knew, like, Dylan's was related to a war. Or, or uh, war pigs. Right. So that that I thought was cool. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is often voted by radio stations as the greatest song of all time. We've played this game before where okay. you've asked me best song ever. Okay. You And this has always been my answer. This is, And you asked me why. And I said, well, it has a little bit of everything. You've got your hard rock with guitars. You've got your opera. You've got a slow, like, little melody in it, peaceful melody. And it's it's a ballad. It's, it's everything mixed all in one. And uh, this, the track, took about... 70 hours to record yeah i mean they i saw something about uh i think it was brian may at one point held up the tape because they had to do so many overdubs for Mm -hmm. the end 
that they would hold it up to the light and you could see through the tape. So yeah. that's not a surprise that it took yeah. forever to do. And my last note is that the album features prog rock, opera, Dixieland jazz, skiffle, and pop with Brian May's interpretation of God Save the Queen in the same style of Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner. Okay, so I have a, I have a couple things. I was going to throw some of this in later. Is he sitting on the chair now? Yeah, I want to I wanna touch on God Save the Queen. I was going to do it towards the final thoughts, but we'll bring it up now. Do you know he played, Brian May played God Save the Queen on the roof of Buckingham Palace? No. In 2002 for Elizabeth II's 50th year on the thing. And he, it, it's, it's like, it's the same kind of thing. Of, Do you know what? today was or the i know which is yeah which is a thing for later but yeah it was so i i get the star spangled banner thing um a couple things do you know that it wasn't recorded at just one studio no from what i could tell i mean i i'm not gonna pull up all the names it looks like it was recorded at at least six different places really Oh, well, it says, the note that I have says, the band later worked in five more studios. So I would assume that's at least six, the way that that sentence is structured. Um, supposedly, at the time of release, it was one of the most expensive albums to produce. They cost, supposedly, 40,000 pounds, which today translates... To about two hundred thousand dollars. It's like two hundred thirteen, somewhere in that range. I looked that up earlier today. Um, you already touched on Death on Two Legs. The other thing that I saw is during live performances, he would normally dedicate the song to a real motherfucker of a gentleman. <laughs> and it's on that intro is on. Uh, Live Killers, I believe, is the a, is a album, and it's censored. So I haven't actually heard that. Mm -hmm. It is just, I think it's going to be very weird to hear, because you, it's like hearing, we were watching it earlier, it's like Spongebob swearing, you're like, that's not what I associate. Like, I'm assuming at some point, Freddie Mercury swore, but you don't normally hear right. Oh, it was years and years ago. My sisters and I went to see Dustin Diamond in town. He was doing stand-up. And within the first five minutes, you know who Dustin Diamond is, right? He played Screech on Save the Bell. First five minutes, he said fuck. And right after that, he followed that up with, oh my God, Screech said fuck. What are we going to do? <laughs> and I I could not stop laughing because it's, it's the same thing. You grow up listening to one thing. You know, it's and it's, it could be the same thing like with you, a teacher that you you knew and it, like if you were in a small town and you just knew, and then all of a sudden they swore after you knew them for like twenty years, or it, um, it catches you off guard. Or Bob Dylan's Hurricane. It's like, all right, and now it's one of them is specifically a product of the time and the song, but there's mm -hmm. also I think shits in there. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? And you don't expect right. Um, 
So moving on to legacy. Cultural impact and reviews. Yeah. I, I, my notes, it had, it has history and legacy is, is what I labeled them as. Okay. Uh, I want to run into a couple things cause you were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, apparently he gave a copy of it to Kenny Everett. I don't know what station it is, but he was a DJ said, you're not allowed to play it on air in its entirety. So of course he plays it on air in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, played it apparently 14 times in the first two days. Really? And EMI was not going to release it as a single. Is there a scene about this in the in the movie? Because Mike Myers yep, was that guy. Okay, yeah. He basically said, nobody's going to, this song's too long, nobody's going to be sitting in their car headbanging to it. <laughs> Cue Wayne's World. And everybody ever since. Um, Amanda in the line of Taco Bell when they're taking too long. <laughs> the One senior EMI executive was convinced that it was too long. And he tried to convince the band that it needed to be edited if it was to stand any chance of getting any radio plays. Which is the same kind of thing as Light My Fire uh, and Agata DeVita. We've we've run into this recently where some of these longer tracks mm-hmm. have to be cut down. Well, they don't have to, but they cut them down to get them on. Uh, do you know what the B-side of Bohemian Rhapsody was? Mm-mm. I'm in love with my car. Okay. Yeah. And that's on the record. That's that's like the third or that's, fourth song. Yeah, it's early. <clears throat> and that is not Freddie Mercury singing. No, that's Roger, isn't it? Yes. Because he wrote it about his car. Yep. That And that was another thing I, I, I found with this, and I, for, I forgot to write it in my notes. But they when they made this album, they wanted to make sure that everybody was showcased doing something. Um, Brian May wrote not just the God Save the Queen, but I don't, I don't have the list of who wrote what, but I know there's a couple others and I know mm-hmm. he sings on a couple. The only, talking about everybody's included, Deacon's the only one that doesn't sing, mm-hmm. bass player, but he wrote You're My Best Friend. Yeah. Which is his first song that was released as a single. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to sing on it, but I'm it, still going to get credit for yeah, a single. Yeah, it showcased something from everybody in the band, which is unique, really, even even today. Um, I, I can't verify this, because I, I didn't get on the charting and all that. Apparently, so they were on tour for this album, because it was, it was released at the end of 75. So at the beginning of 76, all four of their albums were in the UK top 20. So I just yeah. thought I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, okay, I'm shifting. So you might have to cut that out. <laughs> uh, it became, or it went up to number four on the Billboard chart. And Bohemian Rhapsody became the first top 10 single on the Hot 100. And it went to number one on the UK chart for nine weeks. And then I'm assuming it went back up in 92. 
Is that when Wayne's World was? Yeah. 30 years ago? Shut your motherfucking mouth. You motherfucker. Well, good. I'm done. So you can go take your... So you said it peaked at number four? Yes. I have it peaked at number five, and it stayed there for 56 weeks. But anyway, it was certified gold on March 9th of 76. Singles included Bohemian Rhapsody and You're My Best Friend. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody keeps popping up again and again, pulling new fans into the band's orbit and keeping Queen relevant in pop culture. Here's my note. The first time it happened was in 1992 when the song appeared in Wayne's World with it winning an MTV Video Video Award for Best Video from a Film. And that that itself is an iconic scene. And they redid the music video and had that headbanging And I scene. guess uh, my that wasn't Mike Myers' idea. And he, he wanted them to know specifically, hey, this wasn't my idea. I had no say in the matter. Was it Dana's or was it? I think it was studio. Oh yeah. And there, and apparently Queen said, "Yeah, it's fine. We're happy to be in the movie." Yeah, and it just it blew up, and that, like I said, that is an iconic thing to the point where people now, when they get to that part of the song, you headbang, you don't know where it's from. You just know that that's what you do. You know, it's it's iconic. Hey, guess what? The entire album worked to showcase something from each member of the band. I did write it down. It became the defining moment that the band as a whole became a legendary rock group that would continue to stand the test of time. Queen is still touring. Mm -hmm. They have Adam Lambert as lead singer. Deacon's not with them anymore. Oh, he's not? I I know it's May. He, I think think Roger's there too. Mm -hmm. Deacon basically said... Uh, I think he's done three performances with the band mm-hmm. since 91 when Mercury died. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I don't remember which song. He played one song with Elton John singing. And it's like, okay, I can see that. Going from mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury to Elton John. Same. Mm-hmm. Same showmanship. Yeah. But it's, there's still a huge band. Um, And at work, we listen to... We listen to different um, stations on iHeart. One of them is vinyl classic rock and one is big classic hits. And, oh, we also listen to, uh, like, a it's a, like a local station that plays, like, a mix. So three days out of the week, I hear Queen. It's still, it's still on the radio. And I listen to a classic rock station to and from work. I hear Queen almost every day. It's... It's still so popular, and it's because of this album. They just, they're never going away, and their biggest hit, Bohemian Rhapsody, and it ended the album, you know, and it's just, without this album, Queen wouldn't have been, Lady Gaga wouldn't have gotten her name, you know? Mm, Radio Gaga might have been before this, but I don't know what we did. But if Queen wasn't so popular, you know what I mean? So, um, that's all I have. Are you ready to move on to personal reviews? You said we're doing reviews? Yes. Okay. So, I have you keeping four songs. Okay. I have you keeping Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. I have you keeping You're My Best Friend. Okay. I have Seaside Rendezvous. Okay. I have Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon. Okay. 
and you're giving it an A. Okay. Okay. So where am I wrong? All the places. So before I really answer you, I do what I do and I elaborate. Um, so I had never listened to this album as a whole before this episode, but I loved I, it. I, I think I have. We're not focusing on you now. We're talking about me. <laughs> I loved it. And I'm, I'm happy. This is one of them that we have on our record wall. And for those of you, we've mentioned the record wall a few times. For those of you that don't know, we have a massive wall of records. There's, what, 28 records up there? 24. 24. And we have it done chronologically. Mm-hmm. And we have a variety of, of albums. So it starts with Ray Charles, um, Country... The modern sounds. Modern sounds and country. Yeah, I'd have to see it. Yeah, it's a long ass title. Um, and the very last one on there is Radiohead's In Rainbows. In Rainbows. So we've got, we've got some of the albums we've talked about. We've got Black Sabbath's Paranoid and um, uh, Sergeant Pepper's is up there. Is yeah, it's it's not Abbey Road. It's Sergeant Pepper's. Sergeant Pepper's. Um, and uh, Metallica's Master of Puppets is up there. Yes, and? I'm not looking at the wall. I look at the wall when we eat dinner, and I'm like, that's up there, that's up there, that's up there. Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust. So, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go off a little bit. Here's what's on the wall that I believe is on this list. Okay? Mm-hmm. Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Pepper, or Beatles Sgt. Peppers. Mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Yeah. Then we go into 70s. Okay, so then we have Black Sabbath's Paranoid. Dave Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Mm. And then we have this. Um, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, I believe is what it is. Yep. Um, Michael Jackson Thriller. Yep. Back in Black. Uh, I think Slippery When Wet is on this list, Master Puppets, uh, Purple Rain soundtrack, The Chronic, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. I th- I think we've got, I want to say it's 14 of those 24 are on mm-hmm. this list. And then we have another six that are kind of, that aren't as heavy hitters, but they're still important ones. And there you've got Led Zeppelin IV. You've got... Jethro Tull. Uh, you've got Aqualong. And then we've got some that should be on this list that aren't. Uh, Rush's Moving Pictures. Mm-hmm. I would think British Steel should be on this mm-hmm. list. Um, but well, that's the, a... The one thing about this wall, and it, we we did do the research on it. Everything is up there for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's just been... Our wall's been put together for so long that we now have forgotten what's what. But, like, everything has it some impact as to, like, some important reason why it's up there. Like, like the Ray Charles one, that's the first time that a black artist has charted on, like, he crossed over into the white audience and, like, became yeah. mainstream. And that, that was a, a very important record. And then there's the other stuff that's not on the list is Free Will and Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, Mothers of Invention Freak Out, which is one of the first double albums. You've got uh, Abraxas, mm-hmm. which you don't realize that that album is that old. 
Yeah. But the point is, <laughs> the reason I brought it up is because we keep saying it's on our wall. So we have A Night at the Opera, and I just want to go put it on and listen to it. Because it, it was a lot of fun. It was fun and quintessentially queen. You can definitely hear opera and vaudeville in it. It's fun and entertaining and everything Queen represented. The songs are in a great order that works so well together. And like many other artists we listen to, I know many of their songs, but not specific albums. Queen, they're one of my favorite groups and it's something I like. This is the reason why. It's it's fun. It was so much fun. I okay. just I love the the vaudeville of it, you know? Okay. So I'm keeping every damn thing <laughs> and yeah. i gave it an a plus plus okay okay so do you need the track list in front of you so you can guess my tracks no okay you're keeping bohemian rhapsody for what it is okay you're probably gonna keep i'm in love with my car nope no you didn't like that song you're my best friend yes oh that's so nice of you to say. Don't. It's on audio. Audio medium. It's a, it's there. Okay. Don't be like Freddie Mercury and I'm not I'm not encouraging you to interpret my words to however you want to take them. Um see you're not I don't think you're keeping everything. No. Because I'm not keeping I'm in love with my car. And you're not keeping God Save the Queen. Nope. You're not keeping... Um, you were going to keep the first one. What's the first one? Death on Two Legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah Just that. because it's funny to you. Um, and overall, I think you give it a B. Uh, there's four more that I'm keeping. Hmm. Lazy on a Sunday Afternoon. Okay. 39. I think that's the Brian May one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seaside Rendezvous. Yeah. And The Prophet Song. Okay. Um, again, hear me out. It's not a bad album. It's a B. Mm-hmm. Based on the composition of it, I'm surprised that it's as well received as it is just because it's all over the map. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you think Bohemian Rhapsody is twice as long as anything that was out at the time. Like... Uh, the way that that song is structured it's like how did that take off as much as it did you know what i mean when you look at when you look at the way that song is designed and just how it's got it doesn't have a chorus it doesn't have a a distinct way a distinct line it's just okay you have this section and then there's like what six different sections to it and it's all kind of thrown together it's like three different songs that you just all threw together it's weird that it took off as much as it did you know i i i enjoy the different the different parts it's just okay at least with the ones we've gotten so far there's kind of a distinct there's a definitive sound throughout like master puppets Yes, you have the beginning of battery, but it sounds similar through the same through mm-hmm. the through the track. Like Sergeant Pepper's is starting to where it's okay, there's you can tell there's different influences, but it's all 
kind of mm-hmm. in the same vein. This is just it's just weird that it got as as popular as it did mm-hmm. because if it was released today, then yes. Yeah. But at the time, like I said, when it's it's all this kind of there's a distinct way that music was released. You know what I mean? Like there was a distinct sound. It's like okay, this album, you are this. There wasn't as as much of this broadening. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. So final thoughts. Um, I have a I have a couple. Speaking of the Beatles, uh, Good Company. That's a Beatles song. Okay. Um. How much did you look into Seaside Rendezvous? Not much. Okay. You know that uh, that little instrumental section in the middle of it? Yeah. Those aren't instruments. Are they seashells? No. Seaside Rendezvous is another track that shows the band's inventiveness since Freddie and Roger provide a woodwind section performed by just their voices along with the tap dancing sequence they performed on the mixing desk with thimbles over their fingers. What? That is a song that you wrote. <laughs> you listen to that song and you tell me that that is a song. You tell me that that is a song that you wrote. That is exactly you. Yeah, that is something I would do. Um, I don't have any other thoughts that haven't been thrown out in other places. Okay, well, my final thoughts. It's This album was so much fun. I felt like getting up and dancing. Like, I was sitting at my desk listening to this at work, and I think I was entering tickets or something, and I was I was bouncing along with it. And it's not often that I do something like that at work, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I'm supposed to be professional and people are watching. It's something that I would just love to put on the background while I was, like, cooking or baking in the kitchen or cleaning the house and just dance while I was, while I'm working. It's, it was so much fun. I love it. Can we, well, when you are done, can we go into our games before we get to our sources? Your game. Because we have a set order we do things. My game always comes at the end. Okay. So, yeah, do your, do your game. So it's interesting that we're recording today because we're listening to Queen. The last song was God Save the Queen and there was the 70th 70th Jubilee. Which I don't know what day exactly it is. I think it's in actually in February. But but Yeah, they still. Did, didn't they like I don't know if it was covid related that they pushed it back and I don't know this it's they have um certain names for the jubilee like Di- diamond was one i, I think, think this is platinum might be it, regardless and i think the parade was yesterday and there's some event today but oh. yeah okay so that was so she would have taken over in 1952 1952 got it okay so I, i'm going to give you Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> i'm going to give you a list of names and I could give you more details as to who they are. I want you to tell me if they were born before or after 1952. None of them were born in 52. Okay? Mm-hmm. Stephen King. Before. Okay. 1947. Ah, so I'm right. Okay. Robin Williams. 
before. 1951. So I'm two for two. Okay. Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm trying to think, are you are you doing what I do and is it chronologically? He, I know he's old. He looks like a gremlin. I'm going to say slightly before. 1948. Okay. So three for three. Tom Hanks. Before. 1956. Son of a bitch! Okay. Look at that. That was loud. I'm so sorry. Okay. Brad Delp, lead singer for Boston. After. 1951. God. You mixed them up on purpose. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Before. 1954. I was doing so good. Michael Jackson. Before. 1958. Yeah. <laughs> okay. John Travolta. Before. 1954. <laughs> Damn it, okay. So I had four that were before and four that were after. <laughs> and I only got three right. Yep, and you're going to be sacrificed now. So and she did get a passing grade. <laughs> so the episode's done. Sorry if you wanted to listen to her Shut games. Shut up. All right, I'm going to thank my sources first. Nope, I'm going to take it right. so you don't take mine. I'm going to guarantee you did I take my sources. Was your source the internet? Because that's what mine was. What was your real source? Uh, it was a, an article from youdiscovermusic.com called A Night at the Opera. Queen's Regal Invite Could Not Be Ignored. Um, and I believe that is the first sentence in the article, not the subtitle. It was published... On November 21st, 2021, by Max Bell on youdiscovermusic.com, which I already said. And that's the only source you had? I, I pulled a little bit, like the, the birth dates. There were a couple things that I, like I pulled like one sentence from here, one sentence from here, so. You still have to cite it. That's how sources work. Okay. IMDb. So you, you used IMDb? Yeah, to find the, like, to find the birth dates and. Okay. Like Google and all that. So, you done? Yeah. So, so, my sources. Thank you to A Night at the Opera, Author Unknown, Date Unknown on Super70s.com. <laughs> I like your old stuff.com. Thank you to number 128 Queen, A Night at the Opera, 1975 by Bren Schwetz. Um, published April 28th of whatever year, it didn't say, on rs500albums.com. That's probably the Rolling Stone. I was just going to say, do you know what the R stands for? BP. Th- th- thank you to Night at the Opera, Why It's Queen's Greatest Album by Brian, Brian K- Kajian, K-A-C-H-E-J-I-A-N. I'd have to see it. Published three years ago. That's what it said, three years ago. All right. <laughs> On ClassicRockHistory.com. And you ready for this one? This is where I got a bulk of my, my material. Thank you to A Night at the Opera, Performance, Theatricality, and Identity in the Music of Queen by Grace K. O'Dell in 2016 on mospace.umsystem.edu. It was her thesis paper for her master's degree in music education. (laughs) I I used a freaking thesis. It was like a 27-page thesis paper written on Queen. So thank you, ma'am. You got recommendations? No. 
because I didn't write them down. Sure, okay. I'll give you the mo- Let's go with the movie. Let's go with the movie version of the album. It was in 30... Oh, Mark Spiller. Have we watched this one? I think so. We it's... watched Duck Soup. Yeah. Uh, this is the first one where it's just the three of them. Which is the one with the um, the quote-unquote mirror scene? That's Duck Soup, I think. Duck Soup. Yeah. Okay. I, I really like... I want to go back and watch more of theirs. Did you know... Here's another one about... We'll give you four names and you tell me... If they died before or after. Okay. She took over. Groucho. After. Chico. After. Harpo. Before. They were all after. God damn it. Margaret Hamilton. Do you know who that is? The name sounds familiar. Who is it? Wicked Witch. Oh. Supposedly, and I know I've told you this before. Supposedly, she was my grandma's elementary teacher she was a teacher i believe yeah in cleveland and i want to say she was also on sesame street as the yeah so that should tell you before after after yeah sesame street was after this i didn't know that yeah she died i was born in 83 uh i think you were two when she died then i think she died in 85 i almost yelled at you for wrong math and i had to stop myself because you sir gaslighting me into getting my birthday wrong it's all you who are you mariah carey do you not know that story that's let's do that off air because i'm i want ice cream well apparently we're not listening to amanda no that's that's a given apparently we don't know if she was born in 69 or 70 why because she won't say that's different i'm saying I'm just saying wrong information because somebody has spent the last 14 years gaslighting me. Okay, it has not been 14 years. I've been doing it for 14 years. Whatever. You've been gaslighting me on my incorrect birth date for many a moon, sir. But there's only one moon on this planet. I do have another final thought. What? So, if you were to say that Freddie Mercury decided to perform in a musical. What musical would that be? What? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Look at Tim Curry. Look at Freddie Mercury. Oh my god. I can't unsee that. He would make a great Dr. Frankenfurter. Oh my god. When I die, I want, that's my one request, I want Freddie Mercury to sing Sweet Transvestite. Oh my god. Oh, I hate you for that now. Okay. Um, I don't have any recommendations. Because I've been so busy this last week. (laughs) With a game day and an exploding picnic table. (laughs) Just shit. Um, okay, so moving on. This day in history. Today is June 2nd. 1962, Owen Gray's Twist Baby became the first single released on UK-based Island Records. This label later represented represented Free, Traffic, Jethro Tull, Bob Marley, and U2. Okay, the only one I don't know is Traffic. Also in 1962, 
Ray Charles started a five-week run at number one in the U.S. with a song, I Can't Stop Loving You. It was also a number one in the U.K. You would recognize that song if you heard it. It's it's like, it's a ballad. It's okay. slow. Um, 1973. Paul McCartney held two number ones at the same time. Red Rose Speedway, the album, and My Love, the single. Okay, That's so it's, it's not like the one from, what was it, Let It Be and the... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, June 2nd, 1976, Wings set a world record when they performed in front of 67,100 fans in Seattle, the largest attendance for an indoor crowd. Okay. I say, because, you know, I was trying to figure out what the, it would have had to be indoor. 1978, Thin Lizzy released the live double album, Live and Dangerous. It peaked at number two on the UK album charts. It was only stopped by... Do you know what what is what beat it? Is it Thriller? No. Because of the beat it comment? No. But I see I see Grease, the Grease soundtrack, which is on this list. That's uh I believe that Thin Lizzy when we were talking um Folsom mm-hmm. Prism God motherfucker. That that was an album that I brought up that is to should have been like why it was like just the selection of the live album or the lack thereof that they picked Mm -hmm. Uh, 1979 donna summer started a three-week run at number one in the u.s with her single hot stuff it's a disco song hot stuff hot stuff i don't know the words In 1981, Prince made his live debut in London. He would not play in the UK for another five years. June 2nd, 1984, Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go became their first number one in the UK. Go ahead. Is your face about to ruin the rest of this? No, I don't think so. Do you know what the song was inspired by? No? No. The song was inspired by a note written by Wham member Andrew Ridgely, I think, for his parents. The original note had up written twice, so Ridgely wrote go twice for the song. That's like, I think, one of the lamest stories I've ever heard. I don't remember which song it was, but apparently, I think I saw that George Michael would play a song off of Night at the Opera. Like, just at the subway, like, when he was getting his start. Mm. So, there's a connection. 2003, a painting of Kylie Minogue wearing gold hot pants caused regular traffic holdups as many drivers who spotted the painting in the window of an art gallery had to stop to look. 2005, France for... This one made me laugh. This one really made me laugh, because it's, it's like, what the fuck? France Ferdinand Was Lee- assassinated. And Sarajevo. You and your fuckery can get right on out of here, fucker. I'm not wrong, though. Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo just a long time ago. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Ding! (laughs) Franz Ferdinand's lead singer, Alex Kapranos, was detained by Russian police after being suspected of being a spy. (laughs) Yeah. Ready? Okay. 
He was detained for using his real surname, Huntley, with Alex Huntley being a former MI6 agent in the early 90s. Did he know Ethan Hunt? Are you serious? Well, it was early 90s. God damn it. 2016, the limited edition vinyl pressing of David Bowie's Changes One Bowie went to number one on the UK vinyl charts. Okay. And that's it. So, born this day. Otis Williams. Did he change his last name? Who are you thinking of? Otis Redding? No. Okay. He's a singer for the doo-wop group The Charms. He was. I'm assuming he's dead now. Okay. So I would imagine... Before or after the Queen. <laughs> I would imagine it would be before. It is. I'd imagine the, like, the first, or the studio albums would have been released before. I would have, would say, late 40s, early 50s. So probably mid to late teens. 1936. All right. <laughs> Janie Bradford. No. American songwriter most known for her work with Motown and Barry Gordy. 37. 39. Earl Young. I'm assuming he's not Earl Young anymore. <laughs> Drummer, founder, and leader of the Tramps and was part of the early 70s Philly soul sound. Best known song, If You Don't Know Me By Now. Okay, I'm thinking of the Trogs. No, that's Wild Thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, was it like... This is, if you don't know me by now. I'm glad. very, very, very poorly song. I would be a lot happier. 40. Okay. Yeah, 1940. You finally got one right. Uh, I got a couple right a couple episodes ago. Charlie Watts. Okay, I know that name. Now the question Why is... Why do you know that name? He's Rolling Stones. Drummer for the I Rolling think he's Stones. dead. I think he just I think died. So, yeah. Uh, well, I'm assuming he's older than Jagger. I think Jagger was 43, so I'll say 42. 41. Um, William Guest. No. He's a singer with the Pips of Gladys Knight and the Pips. Okay, I know that name. But, okay, 42. Also 41. Marvin Hamlish. I know that name. Yeah, you do. Why do I know that name? He is a pianist and composer. He wrote a song called Nobody Does It Better. Carly Simon? For the spy who loves me. Carly Simon? Yep. Okay. Um, 41. 44. <laughs> Michael Steele. This one is tricky. Okay. I don't... I think... We're thinking of two different Michael Steeles. Because the one that I'm thinking of, if that's even his name, he was a... He was a... He was a politician. I think he was like the... They did a puppet of him on the day... Or on one of the late night shows. It was like an RNC chairman. So they had a, they had a puppet of him. An old black guy. Mm-hmm. And then he came on and was debating the puppet or something like that. We are thinking of <laughs> two, two very different people. We are on two different wavelengths. I don't even know what that's from. This Michael Steele, and I get that it is confusing, but the name is definitely Michael Steele. 
is an American bassist, guitarist, songwriter, and singer, most notably with the band The Runaways, which is an all-female group, and The Bangles, which is an all-female group, as Mickey Steele. It's a girl, if you didn't get that. That's fine. I'm assuming she played with Joe Burrow if she played for The Bangles. Audio media, they cannot see that face. I literally just shut down. Stared off into the distance. The thousand yard stare. Contemplated my existence. Can you just give me a year? 45. 59. Hey, so thank you for listening to another episode. It is clear that we need to be done. The cat is over here purring very loudly and I want ice cream. Um, Please... Find us on Instagram at WorstPodOnMars or Twitter at WorstPodOnMars or send us an email at WorstPodOnMars at gmail.com. And if you hear our neighbor mowing his yard, we're very sorry that that's picking up. Um, Come back next week. Do you know what we're doing next week? The same thing we do every week. Trying to take over the world? No. Well, I try to piss you off (laughs) to where you're just going to quit. That's not an every week thing. That's an... Every day, every hour event, and you are very good at it. Um, next week, we're doing the white stripes, white blood cells. Okay, see you. Bye. Hey, mine should, mine should be good. Am I good? I don't know. Do your taps. Tippy tap, motherfuckers! You wanna do some taps real quick? Okay, hold on. Hi, buddy!